versus friends who talk about money from John Hancock, a show where we take on the money taboo and celebrate the power of financial conversations in all their honest, awkward, and inspirational glory. I'm your host, Claire Wasserman, writer, career coach, and financial advocate. When you're sandwiched between two generations who depend on you for love, support, and money, there's no escaping the squeeze. How do you take on the role of parent, caregiver, and spouse and still find time for your individual needs? On today's episode, we're inviting a couple to vent about the financial and emotional realities of raising a toddler while also providing support for both sets of aging parents. And then Cameron Huddleston, a journalist and author who also goes by mom and caregiver, will join us to provide tips for how to have essential money conversations with your parents. Time to talk money. Hi, Molly. Hi, Cameron. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Molly. Um, I'm 35, live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Um, originally from the Bay Area, from the San Jose area in California. And um, I work in international development. Um, I've been doing that for about 10 years after Cam and I met in the Peace Corps. And this is Cameron. I am a month younger than Molly, so I'm also 35. (laughs) And um, we have that in common. We both live in North Carolina and uh, work in the nonprofit space. So I actually work in disaster relief. Tell me a little bit about how you grew up. Uh, I know you mentioned, Molly, that you grew up in the San Jose area, but tell me a little bit more. I mean, did you have siblings? Did did your parents both work out of the house? And, and I guess most importantly, did you talk about money? Yeah. Um, well, so I do, I have an older sister who's still in the Bay Area. Um, I'm a first generation Taiwanese American family. So my parents came over. Um, my dad was a student, but uh you know, we grew up in a really happy, comfortable, you know, setting. I think what really I realized growing up was it wasn't unique, but our financial situation was a little bit unique. Um, we ended up moving to a wealthier area in San Jose when I was um, in the fifth grade, and it, it was definitely a, a bit of an eye opener. I think that 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 definitely shaped um, my own security and being able to look at my household. I think comfortably, you know, and and that was a lot of just adolescent sort of insecurity, you know, not wanting to invite people over because I didn't have like cool snacks and things like that. But eventually, my story sort of took a different turn because when I was um, a sophomore in high school, my sister and my father actually moved um, from the household both that same year. So my sister went to college because she's a few years older than me. And um, my dad actually moved to Shanghai. So we moved abroad to start a business. And um, so suddenly I was kind of left in the household with my mom, who I get along with very well. We have a great relationship. Um, but, you know, I was going through my teens that at that period and um, started feeling, I think, a lot more um, responsibility towards understanding the finances in my house, um, mainly because, you know, there were things I had to navigate for my mom, helping her pay certain bills or, um, you know, chat with people who are calling. I would say growing up that we didn't talk about finances until it was sort of just me and my mom in the house. Cameron, is that at all similar to your upbringing? Not in the least, no. (laughs) Um, 
So I grew up in a small to middle-sized uh, southern town. Um, traditional family structure. My dad, um, my dad worked. He is a salesman, um, and my mom uh, took care of my sister and myself. And um, you know, I think it was always very uncertain when I grew up exactly what our financial situation was. And I think um, part of that was we have never talked about money. I think money is a bit of a mystery, and I'd say you know our literacy around money was was relatively low because you know it's not really taught in schools, and there's no one who really sits down to you and says, "This is how you save your money. This is how you can grow your money." You know, a lot of those lessons have come later in life as I've been with Molly, and she's really taken interest in our finances. Um, I can say if I never met her, I would probably keep a mattress full of money. <laughs> Um, and would never trust banks or would never trust any institutions because, you know, I had this fear in my upbringing of any of those sorts of systems. When you met, you know, how far into your relationship did you start talking about money? Our first conversation was actually about kind of money because, um, you know, when we got out to the Peace Corps, we had to go out, you know, they gave us an allowance and we were supposed to go out and essentially get, you know, our basic our basic essentials to move out to our sites and um, we learned quickly that uh, our peers were, you know, spending all the way up to the limit. Um, whereas Cameron and I were much more frugal. Um, Cam's frugality still, haha, surprises slash drives me crazy sometimes. <laughs> you know, he was like aiming for the cheapest shampoo. And I, the first thing I said to him, I was like, if you want your hair to fall out in these two years, go for it. But hey, you know, there's there's other options. You can you can buy this. So even as different as we grew up, even as like different as our parents raised us in terms of looking at money, we both saw our current situation then pretty similarly. Our first conversations were shampoo and money. I remember one of our first conversations was, you know, what would happen if you had a million dollars or something to that effect? And I thought nothing. There's absolutely nothing I would buy. I think I would just hang out because I, I just didn't even know what to spend money on. You labeled yourself as, quote, financial soulmates. Tell us what that means and tell us how we can find somebody who's our financial soulmate. Well, it's a lot of hard work, Claire. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why I think that really resonates with me is because to my, like, my core is I, I need I needed a partner that showed me different things that I'd never experienced that I never knew or understood before you know so when we're coming from different financial backgrounds I was only surrounded by people that you know were wonderful people but I never felt like I could relate to most because you know deep down I felt like I had a lot of financial issues that nobody else seemed to have around me. Um, and it's not that I was just attracted or that I think we're soulmates because we have the same problems. That wasn't it. It was that we looked at different problems with a similar mindset. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to add on to that, I think it's um, I think it's just incredible to have so much communication around finance. That is that is nothing I grew up with. And I don't think that's anything Molly grew up with as well. So. You know, I always kind of look at Molly and I like I'm she's the gas and I'm the brake. So, 
there's Ooh, a, I like that. She's, she's always uh, got a new <laughs> idea. And then, you know, I, it takes me a minute to, to get on board, but I'm also just so thankful that she's always pushing us. And, you know, she sits down with me and has these really weird conversations where she's like, okay, if I die, here's our budget. Here's the things you need to know. These are your first 10 steps. And I, I try to take it super seriously because I'm pretty concerned um, about, you know, my level of comfort in that, in that realm. So, you know, I just appreciate her continuing to educate me and continuing to teach me things. And, you know, I could say recently I was talking to somebody about an IRA, like I knew what I was talking about, but I was just repeating things she had said like the day before. I heard that you do weekly money quizzes. That's accurate. Well, this is why financial soulmates, it sounds cute. And then you dig in and people are like, oh my God. Um, yes, we do. But in a, I know I shouldn't probably start off most conversations like if I die, but I'd like to like that scare factor helps Cam because sometimes he, he's a daydreamer. So these financial they're not quizzes. They're conversations. She's like, what was our water bill in September? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> so what is your financial relationship with your parents now? Uh, both, I guess, individually, but also as a, a couple. Individually, I think because I had that really unique time with my mom um, where it's just us, you know, and family was going through some financial hardships. I mean, we we didn't quite ever talk about it. It was always the elephant in the room, but it's like as if the elephant was, you know, large, massive, pink, and and we would talk about things to, you know, certain things, certain bills, or where I could, you know, where I realistically could attend college. Um, I think that was a big sort of eye opener for me. Um, but at least though, and I am very thankful for this my mom really opened up that path for me to talk about finances with somebody. My mom actually, she, it, she, her, her influence has been huge in my life, but I know that actually one thing that she has told me, and I've shared this with Cam, is that it's important for women um, to have your own financial security you know, that's not to say it needs to be secret or anything like that, but it's important to do that. And that really stuck with me. You know, now that we're older, now that our parents are aging, um, that conversation with my family has been consistent, meaning, you know, as both my parents retired earlier than planned, um, that brought up a lot of different issues, right? Like, my mom started telling me what she was going to be expecting with social security payments, um, what their retirement looked like. And really, and I, I really, I really appreciate this about her is that she essentially was just preparing me for reality. Yeah. So growing up, my dad was, um, he was a primary worker and he was in sales, um, which if anyone's ever worked in sales, it's a little bit of a tumultuous um, income stream. It's either kind of fat times or, or thin times. Um, and, you know, my mom was always very good about being um, thrifty and making sure that we were able to, to really get by. Um, and I think I take after her in a lot of ways with money. Um, but as they've started to get older, um, 
you know, I think some of their vulnerabilities around not saving more when they were younger have started to become more apparent, especially as any sort of unexpected health emergencies have come up, which is really the most terrifying scenario, I think, when you're older is, is uh, medical care and being able to afford that. So, um, you know, I am fortunate that I have a good relationship with both of my parents and that they have realized I've married Molly <laughs> and are happy to make appointments with her. So I get on her calendar and I set her up to talk to my dad or my mom or whoever. He's now, kidding. I really do. She has met with both of them. And we've uh, met. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a real riot here at our house. <laughs> I mean, what challenges have you had with them? And, and also, do you know exactly what they have in their bank account? I mean, what level of transparency are, are you having with them? Yeah. With my parents, um, you know, a, a very high level of transparency. I mean, I we sat down with them at one point and, you know, went and created their will wills and living trusts and, you know, and advanced medical directives and all those things that are that are extremely important. And and in that, um, yeah, I, I really just had my mom show me all of the accounts just so I understood where they sat, right? Are you shouldering any financial responsibilities for, for any of these parents? Not at this point. Yeah. My dad is still working, which is very fortunate. He is um he is seventy one right now and um, you know, is is very happy to continue working for as long as they they will um, they will have him. He has been at this company for about thirty years. Um, but you know, one thing that we are preparing for is is his retirement, his imminent retirement, and what that looks like in terms of you know where are they going to live, what sort of lifestyle can they maintain, what kind of insurance can they have, what kind of emergencies can they be ready for. What do we need to be ready for in terms of mm -hmm. supporting them? And what does that level of support look like? So I think there's a lot of question marks. Um, you know, Molly's family is highly transparent on the uh, communication of money now. I would say my family is medium. But, you know, one thing I know is that we want to be there for them and we want to do what's right. We just have to find what that looks like and be realistic. You know, we don't have millions of dollars, but we do have the ability to take care of them should something happen to their health. Um, so it's, it's having those conversations and making sure that, that we're on the same page and are comfortable doing that. That's, that's important. So balancing that you have, you have a daughter and you also have parents. Uh, do you ever find yourself straddling financial challenges or conversations like the the responsibilities that are on you both as a caregiver to your child and also as you know caregiver to your parents especially as they get older what has that been like yeah i mean i guess what we've tried to do is plan concurrently for both you know so before we before we decided to start a family we <laughs> We planned, you know, for it. We Molly wanted planned. <laughs> Molly planned for it. Now though, it feels a lot more like we can you can't plan everything, but you can, you know, you can save and, and do these things concurrently. I think because we know that these variables of like, well, we could cut back on XYZ if we needed to help one of our parents pay for something. Or with our daughter, 
we are planning, of course, for her financial future, but it's actually like, let's get our financial future Mm -hmm. in place. And that is going to be what helps her have a secure financial future. Right now she's like babbling, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like, you know, at some point we definitely want to have those conversations with her. You know, when thinking about your own upbringing and and how money was discussed or not discussed, you know, how do you want to talk about money with her? Ooh, all the time. No, I don't know. Um, I I mean, I think I what I would love to. I think what was never explained to me, and I I did have to learn this on my own, was the value of like what does money really mean? You know, and it's not just like. I mean, when I was a kid, it was like, oh, money to buy things that I want to do or go places that I want to go. Now money to me means choices, freedom. And I'm hoping that when she's older, we can ex- you know, we can explain to her little by little and help her see the value of money, right? See the value of saving, um, see the value of like investing in herself. COVID. Has that affected you guys at all? I mean, in terms of your financial priorities or or even your relationship Mm -hmm. with your parents? Oh, I mean, yeah. I I mean, sure. Like many other households, but I would say, because I'm wired this way, that was one of the first thoughts. It was, we like to talk a big talk about financial security, but we, you know, an emergency fund was like one of the things that we'd never got to really building, like getting serious about because we're human and, you know, an emergency is just not a fun thing to save for. But, you know, uh, a rental property is or a vacation is. So I think one of the first things, at least I remember I said, like, we really need to get serious about that because this is the time to have it. We have spent the last few months like safeguarding, saving, talking more and more about different scenarios. Yeah, I mean, I think you pretty much nailed it. Um, you know, with with my dad continuing to be in sales, it's it's not a great time to be um, on the road. Yeah, yeah he, he can't travel, which is ninety percent of his lifestyle. So, you know, it's it's all been you know a question on if retirement is sooner than we think, and what does that mean if you know the rug essentially is pulled out from a lifestyle and a career and, you know, all of the, the planning that, that he has kind of thought about in this last few years. So what's the last conversation you had with your parents? It doesn't have to be about money, but bonus points if it was. We were looking at a YouTube video where they replaced <laughs> birds' wings with people's arms. <laughs> so... <laughs> Everybody listening is now Googling that. So thank you. And my last question, which Cam, you kind of already answered or you spoke to earlier. It's if you and both sets of parents had to spend a million dollars, how would you spend it? Oh, I love it. Oh, man. If we had a million dollars. Don't let me down here. Come on. (laughs) Number one, we would all eat crab for one meal. And then number two, we would invest the rest and watch it grow. <laughs> One big seafood meal, and then he's trying to—he's really money. trying to score bonus points with me Is that right the correct now. Answer, Molly. I don't know. Is that how you would answer, Molly? Yeah, it would be make sure we're all debt free, um, pay off everybody's mortgages, everyone's houses, any debt like that. Give everybody a nice, fun allowance for 
the remainder of their years. And yeah, then we'd invest the rest. We're really fun people out here, the million dollars. I'd like to change my answer to what Maui said. Oh, <laughs> you make me want to be you guys when I grow up um, and find my financial soulmate. Thank you again so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. I'm so excited to have Cameron Huddleston here with us today. She is an award-winning personal finance journalist and the author of Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. Cameron is also sandwiched between two generations, raising three children and caring for her mom. Cameron, you must be busy. Thanks so much for being here. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me. So why is it important for adult children such as Molly and Cam to talk to their parents about their parents' finances? It's so important to have these conversations. I know they probably seem incredibly awkward, but there is a good chance that most adult children will have to get involved with their parents' finances, either while they're living, if they have to help care for their parents. And of course, everyone does die. And if your parents have died without the essential estate planning documents, such as a will or a trust, you, the child, will have to deal with what's left behind. And if there are no instructions, family fights can erupt. So these conversations have to happen. I'm curious about kind of the emotional component here where, you know, you've been the child, they've been the parent. And then at a certain point, you know, it almost sounds like the roles get reversed or or you become more like peers. You know, how have you come to understand that that sort of emotional shift that comes with parents that age and you become the person who maybe guides them? You are so right, Claire, because this is a role reversal. That's why you have to be respectful. You have to treat your parents as you would want your own children to treat you if you were in a similar situation. And you need to focus on letting your parents know that you want to have these conversations because you're looking out for their best interest and you want to be able to help them as they get older, just as they were there for you when you were growing up and how they helped you. If your parents are reluctant to talk to you, though, just because they don't like the idea of discussing money or maybe they're embarrassed about the way they've handled their finances, you need to tread with caution. You don't want to push too hard, but you don't want to give up because these conversations are so important. What do you, what do you think about Molly and Cam? You know, are, are they on the right track when it comes to talking to their parents about their finances? I think Molly is clearly on the right track. I loved hearing that she actually went with her parents to have estate planning documents drafted. These documents are so important and they must be signed while you are mentally competent. So you can't wait for a health emergency to crop up because at that point, it might be too late to get these documents in place. And that's why Cam needs to be asking his parents the same thing. Do they have these important estate planning documents? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was just about to ask that, you know, Cam, and Cam mentioned that he still has a few outstanding questions about his parents' finances. You know, in particular, he talked about being concerned about his dad's retirement preparation and what his care could look like if something happens to his health. What do we need to make sure that we're covering when we sit down with our parents to have conversations like these that, you know, are scary and, and could be sad? How do we make sure that we feel good together as we plan for a future where there could be health issues. So I would suggest starting by asking something general. 
such as what does your retirement look like for you? Rather than scaring all parents by asking for specifics, such as how much money they've saved or bringing up the topic of death. And if you can get your parents warmed up to the idea of having this conversation by asking that more general question, then you can start ease into getting specifics, such as if your parents feel confident they'll have enough in savings or enough in social security benefits to support them in retirement, whether they plan to downsize to a smaller home, if they have a plan to pay for long-term care, do they have those essential estate planning documents? The more details you can get, the more details Cam can get, the better. And one way to do it is actually to ask your parents to put it in writing. Ask them to list their financial accounts If you can get them to write down usernames and passwords, what sort of assets they have, what sort of income sources they have, they can put it on paper and that doesn't feel quite as strained as having that conversation. Just ask them to put it someplace safe and tell you when and how you can access it. This can work for parents who are reluctant to actually have the conversation but it allows you to have that information written down somewhere so you can access it if you need it. That's a very good point. Um, Let's talk about the sandwich part of this episode, you know, balancing the financial responsibilities of both caring for a child and caring for parents. What do you think we all need to be watching out for? How do we balance that emotionally, logistically, financially? It's a lot of questions for you right there, but you know, you're somebody who you have children, three children, and you also are a caregiver for your mom who has Alzheimer's disease. How do you do it? (laughs) It's not easy. It's not easy. And I will tell you, you cannot be 100% to everyone who needs your support. You have to be willing to make some compromises, but I would say you should not compromise your own financial security. I think Molly made a great point during her conversation with Cam. She said, let's get our financial future in place. And that's so important because if you are financially secure, you are in a better position to help your parents and you are in a better position to help your children and you won't continue any sort of cycle where if you have to support parents because they didn't prepare financially, If you're in a good position, your kids aren't going to have to hopefully support you someday. So focus on building your own finances. I know lots of times there's an urge among parents to focus on saving for their kids' college education. I say focus on saving for your own retirement first. There are no loans for retirement. There are for school, and I know people don't want to have to saddle their kids with student loans, but your kids are going to have a lot longer time to pay off those loans than you do to save for retirement if you're close to retirement. Focus on building your retirement. Focus on your financial security. Agree with your partner the extent of support you're willing to provide your parents. You want to have this conversation before you are in a situation where you have to provide support so you can know how much support you can afford to provide. Talk to your parents to find what they're expecting from you and have a plan in place. If you try to wing it, your options are fewer. Amazing advice. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. I'm going to be calling you in about 10 minutes. Thanks, Cambridge, so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on. 
Thank you to today's guests, Molly and Cameron, for giving us a taste of their sandwich generation story, and to our expert, the other Cameron, for offering advice on how to approach the talk with your parents. Are you part of the sandwich generation? Head to our show notes for a link to more insights on our website discussing the unique set of financial challenges for this generation. Don't miss a very special bonus episode releasing next week featuring yours truly and Ladies Get Paid co-founder Ashley Louise. We're chatting risk and money. Talk then. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers at the time of recording and are subject to change as market and other conditions warrant. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor shall it be interpreted or construed as, a recommendation or providing advice, impartial or otherwise, regarding any specific product or security. 